This week we are kind of deviating from our normal themes of uh, talking about politics. We're going to talk about a more personal topic, which is interabled marriage. So mm-hmm. if you haven't heard that term before, interabled, one able-bodied or um, yeah, able-bodied and one <laughs> disabled partner whatever I being am. together. <laughs> yeah, whatever you are. <laughs> Is anyone fully able-bodied? Mm. Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, and of course, we want to acknowledge the uh, terrible pain and suffering and just um, crazy events happening in Ukraine right now with the Russian invasion. Yes. Um, we do plan to talk about this on the podcast, um, but we want to bring in an expert voice um, who can uh, help us unpack this a bit more. But certainly, um, I know my heart was super heavy today just thinking about and praying for uh, the Ukrainian refugees right mm-hmm. now. And oh, man, it's it's tough. <laughs> It is. It is. We actually delayed. We were going to record last week, but the day of the news and of the invasion breaking, so we decided to punt because that was more, much more important. Yes. So um, that that episode is coming. It's definitely weighing heavy on us, um, but we want to make sure we do it right for all of you listeners. Indeed. So back to the topic of an enabled marriage. So we are a bit unique in that we have experienced both, <laughs> both um, an abled marriage and an enabled marriage, I guess. And an abled birth and a disabled That's almost right. birth. That's right. <laughs> so we've kind of um, seen what it's like on the other side of the coin. Uh, so have a unique experience, I think. Um mm-hmm. And a little bit, you know, if you're new listening to this podcast, uh, the Reader's Digest of our story was we had been married just shy of three years, right? Three years? Yeah, just shy of three years um, when I gave birth to our first son, uh, who's turning three soon, (laughs) and I, um, three weeks after I had him, I woke up. Uh, paralyzed in one leg, found out the crazy rare diagnosis that I had a very large tumor growing inside of my spinal cord. So your spinal cord is, you know, protected by your vertebra. And so this is, was inside Mm -hmm. and that is what was paralyzing me and they had to get it out. So, um, soon after diagnosis had the tumor removed and um, surgically woke up from that surgery, uh, very difficult, crazy surgery, mm-hmm. paralyzed um, from the shoulders down. So I'm technically a quadriplegic. So quadriplegic means that uh, any of your four limbs are affected. So paraplegic is just your legs are paralyzed. Quadriplegic is arms and legs and you know everything in between. Um, affected. I I came into this thinking quadriplegic was total paralysis, mm-hmm. but you're technically quadriplegic, right? Because your right hand is affected. Right. It doesn't work fully. I guess. Right. Um, right. Yeah. That was shocking too when the doctor came in and said you're a quadriplegic. I was like, what? My arms worked though. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yes. So then um, has been a journey ever since I've gained back more function, can walk with a cane here and there where when I woke up in the hospital, I could move barely anything from my shoulders down. You're better now than you were when you went into the hospital. (laughs) Pre-surgery, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, So it's been a very long, miraculous journey, which we have talked about. We'll talk about more. Um, My Instagram has a lot of that journey if you're interested in kind of seeing what that has looked like over these almost three years Mm -hmm. of um, recovery. But we stayed married. (laughs) We have stayed married, which is a huge blessing. A lot of couples don't stay married through this kind of trauma. I forget the stats. Stats? I I forget it now, but give me the stats. (laughs) But it was a very high number. We're talking like if I remember right, like somewhere like eighty percent of couples that go through something like this don't stay together. Wow. So we are we are in the minority. Still married. (laughs) And thriving. I would say so, yeah. (laughs) That was a test. (laughs) (laughs) It I mean it's definitely change things so i guess we wanted to talk about what what's the same and what's different maybe in reverse order <laughs> we can yeah, start with what's the same i guess what, you you start with that since um it's it's a little different i mean your life has radically changed along with my my life obviously physically has radically changed but true let's, let's just start with the differences then <laughs> so i mean you so your your capabilities have improved and been different so my role as partner sometimes caregiver was a lot heavier on the caregiver side in the early days mm-hmm. coming coming home you know two and a half months in the rehab hospital learning about how to live a disabled life right yeah they talk were, more about yeah what what did it feel like to be a caregiver of your spouse I mean, you were going through the adjustment and shock because it was your body going through it. You realizing that you were partially paralyzed, fully paralyzed, had to live in a wheelchair in all likelihood. And I was looking at it as my wife hitting those realizations. I guess for me as a partner, a spouse, a husband, realizing that. I mean, it was... It was definitely sad, <laughs> sad and difficult and, yeah. you know, this curveball that never expected, you know, described it as going like we were going down the highway 80 miles an hour and then someone pulled the emergency brake yeah. and turned the car around. <laughs> I mean, for people who maybe didn't know us before or don't know us personally, I mean, we took yeah. multiple vacations a year, usually involved yep. hiking or walking, you know. 10 miles through Rome, yep. sightseeing. I mean, very active. Fly fishing trips, Fly hiking, fishing. backpacking, surfing. I got yeah. you a surfboard for our wedding. Yeah. So a big bedrock of our early days was very f- like physical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so well, we'd also had the baby. And I remember it was really helpful at the time in dealing with the adjustment, talking with uh, the therapist in the hospital, which is a, a nice perk. The rehab hospital is great mm-hmm. you know, full for full person family care. But therapist pointed out to us one of the times, well, you had a baby. <laughs> so it's not like you were, because we were mourning the all these trips, like, okay, we're not going to be able to do this. And, like, Who are hiking. we now? Yeah, what is that? What are we like? And well, you just had a baby, so it's not like you'd be going backpacking anyway <laughs> for at least a year, if not, you know, five Ever, years. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, truly. I mean, yeah, how many? 
Yeah. Uh, so that was that was a really helpful perspective. And I think, you know, if we hadn't had Hudson mm. uh, at the time, I mean, as hard as it was, especially for you to not be there, it was kind of like big life changes already in our midst. Right. And then this other monster life change happened too. It, it's been hard for us to parse. Was it disability or was it new parenthood? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in the early days, though, I mean, helping you get dressed, personal care, mm-hmm. all that stuff, much more hands-on. Your mom was living with us for the first eight months. Remember the first time going to out. church? First time, yeah. Oof, that was, yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, we would just learned, you were just learning how to, like, transfer from wheelchair to the car, and you're much less strength and mobility than you do now, and... Yeah, it was, we could get out because he could sort of slide down the transfer board. But then and we got to church and it was super emotional because they were caring for us. And the passage was from Acts about the lame man walking <laughs> of all passages to hear. Our first Sunday back. Yeah, with Peter healing the, the lame man. Um, and then getting back in the car took about 15 or 20 minutes. And like seven different failed attempts yeah and some friends came by because they you know they were caring for us and they wanted to help and it was just couldn't figure out how to get back in the car yeah but you did it with your help we did it yeah (laughs) so i guess um so i I don't know if i'm talking about differences or (laughs) similar these are big differences i guess but what what in your mind being a caregiver did that affect how you saw our relationship did it how did you were still you you still are you (laughs) still the same interest same level of conversation um you know we had to move homes for Mm -hmm. more accessible for more accessibility uh i feel like i have to do more maybe uh especially with with kid care i uh (laughs) if you if you're out there as a, a dual parent home uh, it's nice to have two parents to load a car. <laughs> yeah. That's probably the hardest thing, right? That's probably, mm-hmm. yeah, that's probably the biggest difference and probably toughest, like, thing on, on average. Is loading the car. Like, yeah. if we're going on a trip all together, I can't put suitcases in. I right. can't. Like, yeah. you can deal with you. Yeah. And it's often you crutching to the car and then me figuring out which wheelchair to put in. Well, first loading up Hudson while you're crutching over. And pulling out the car, getting things set, and then you're coming out, and then usually taking care of if we have to grab a bag or something, or yeah, what have you. But now, for the most part, that is one of the only things I can't do independently. Yep, that's true. Part. That's true because you need both hands to to crutch, right, or chair. But I'd say a difference. Um, so. I I can do a lot of things, but I also deal with a lot of chronic pain mm-hmm. and just fatigue. My body gets tired quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, you know, you, you step up a lot when I am going through a pain spell or whatnot. And mm-hmm. I think one thing that has been a blessing in this, you know, I notice and, you know, Sorry if this isn't PC and it's <laughs> stereotyping, but I have noticed a lot of mom, you know, I have a lot of mom friends that moms just tend to like take up and do most of the domestic stuff, even working moms. Hmm. It just is like an instinct of like, well, I'm the mom and I can do it better <laughs> of like, <laughs> you know, whether it's, 
getting kids dressed or, um, you know, doing the laundry or whatever kind of household tasks that seem, quote, like the mom's job. Uh huh. And, you know, even though we're in this modern age where things are more co-equal or whatnot, um, I still see most of the time women do take up more of that. And often it's just because like women just feel like we can, we're just innately can do it better. (laughs) We're just like geared towards that. Uh And I haven't been able to do that. And I think had this not happened, I probably would have just done that. Um, And so Hmm. one kind of blessing I think is that we are co- you know we both work and yep. we both have equal shares around the yep. house equal shares of Hudson care yep. um and while yeah maybe it's been harder on you <laughs> um I do I do I think it's I a blessing that I feel like you probably are spending more time and getting that richness of like yeah. caring for Hudson that maybe you wouldn't have had as much maybe because you just would have been so swooping in so awesome at it you're still awesome (laughs) but like some things are just trickier for you especially with your hands right pain and immobility like you know toddler hud is a toddler and he squirms (laughs) and he runs around and he's like sometimes like wrestling matches to get dressed and there are tiny zippers and that's just tough for you to do at points right 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 and sometimes triggers the pain and is Mm -hmm. maybe not safe for him because he can't get a full grip so yeah you know me hopping in but then it's like well split duties too Right. Like, okay, I'll get him dressed and then you do the bedtime story. Exactly. And then like, no, that way I think, yeah, we both get the time mm-hmm. with him and, and bonding. And um, right now I'm in on poop duty. <laughs> right. Uh, just because it's like the changing table is higher up and it's, again, the squirmingness. It's just a safer process. <laughs> yeah. And almost three-year-old's different squirming than a one-year-old. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think that is a blessing. And then true, another, true. It's, um, it's like it's pushed us to, to be true. I mean, I think we are truly a 50, 50 household. Yep. Yeah. You're like the, you're in, you're like the CFO. <laughs> I do the laundry. <laughs> I did do the laundry before That's disability. True. That's true. You get credit. You were, you were pretty good in this department even before this, <laughs> but I think this is pushed. Rachel can't be trusted with the laundry. <laughs> you don't tell the world. <laughs> In case you're wanting Rachel to do your laundry. <laughs> That's right. I will not be doing anyone's laundry ever. <laughs> I'll see to it. <laughs> Taylor's gift. Um, I'd say another difference, um, unexpected blessing good side that came out of this is that, you know, the difficulties, the trials, um, everything has almost like warp speeded our marriage. So, True. you know, we're coming up on six years of marriage, but I feel like we have the, <laughs> we have the gravitas of 16 years or the experience of 16 years of, you know, how many spouses in year three almost see their spouse die. I know. <laughs> um, almost, you know, Major have, life to, change. have to do this caregiving that most people won't have to do till they're in their 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah. We have talked about that. Like getting older, I mean, I guess I haven't gone through it like you have in my own body, but uh, I like to think maybe we've exercised that muscle a bit of dealing with disabilities and limits, right? Yeah. So most of you out there, if you're married, will probably at some point, if yeah. you have the blessing of living to old age, be in an interabled marriage, even if for True. a short period, right? Yep. Yep. Um, yep. 
so yeah it's i don't know i don't know what our tips would be (laughs) well i think it's like the the stigma of the wheelchair Mm. you wrote about this a bit recently on on instagram for national or international wheelchair day Mm -hmm. uh i mean i remember early days in the hospital i guess this kind of goes back to your other question how do i feel that there was kind of a sense of oh rachel will get better she won't have to be in a wheelchair forever because just kind of like in the back of my mind like that's a bad thing yeah like wheelchairs are bad things it's not like something it's not something that you use when you're healthy or like living a rich life it's something you know we'll get through rachel use it temporarily and Hmm. march on but instead it's become uh, i mean i don't think about it really really Hmm. yeah i mean it's just it is yeah (laughs) it kind of fades into the back i mean for me at least it has kind of faded into the background and the only time i notice it is when um the terrain is difficult (laughs) yeah like you know there's been times like getting stuck in the mud especially in your big power chair and the lawn and that can be pretty discouraging for you and right a big hill i have to come help push out or lift it up right um but i think you know i guess all that to say is i guess tip would just be use accessibility equipment and it's a, it can be a tough transition and I, I don't know if there's like a way to, cause it, I didn't do this, but like if there's a way to fully wrap one's mind around, hmm. uh, I guess just how it is to get through the stigma. Yeah. I think there's just this cultural stigma of it's for, you know, failures. It's for broken people. It's for unhealthy people, but it's really for healthy people who live with rich lives and it's, you know, they just have mobility needs. Yeah. So I think just whatever one can do to maybe spending time with people who are disabled. Right. Helps. And kind of seeing like, oh, actually, this is not they're living a rich life, too. <laughs> Which is pretty tough to do. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I remember as a kid, knew one other kid in a wheelchair and, you know, I wasn't at the level of like conversations about it. Mm-hmm. Still felt kind of weird and awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, but it, it can still be, it can be it can be tough to find folks in yeah. wheelchairs or with um or follow Mobility folks on news. social media who... Yeah, you have a lot of recommendations. And yeah, that, that has community. helped a lot. I guess any other final thoughts on interable marriage? Yeah, I guess I what what's the same? Oh, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, you are. <laughs> uh, I feel like our marriage has gotten better. Uh, we still have the same interests. Mm-hmm. Um glad i didn't marry you just because for your your walking abilities <laughs> <laughs> like it, it, it's about so much more than that mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Uh, we, we still do a lot of the things we love like we yeah. did a weekend away at a resort um we still go out to dinner like mm-hmm. we enjoyed probably the <laughs> we s- like eating <laughs> yeah we have probably the same amount we would with you know kids anyway uh-huh. um still take hudson places and outings we just have to plan a little more yeah like what's the terrain like yeah everything just requires much more planning which probably would have been the same with kids anyway mm-hmm. um what's the same from your end yeah i think realizing the richness of how much an intellectual connection matters yeah. and an emotional and spiritual and all of those things you know that doesn't change no matter what happens to your body um and how important that you still have a physical is. connection Oh yeah, we we do. Yes, we do. You weren't leaving it off because it like died. <laughs> yeah, we do. And you know, it's. I'd say that is a relearning physical mm-hmm. connection. You know, even like 
you're six foot six. Me being down in a wheelchair, I'm like way shorter. Yeah, how tall are you in a wheelchair? Like <laughs> I don't know. We haven't measured. Four feet tall. <laughs> but yeah, it's... Um... Which is funny because I had a rule dating. <laughs> Women had to be a, at least five, six. <laughs> Maybe, you know, five, seven, I think it was. And now, yeah, you're four And feet I obviously tall. was like looking for an over six foot man. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... Um, it takes more planning to hug. Yeah, you know, planning spontaneous kissing and hugging doesn't happen maybe as much just because of <laughs> height differences <laughs> and the wheelchair wheels in the way and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um but other than that, I think having that is really important and just um embrace you know that we had so much in common before and the things that the things that really matter are still mm-hmm. there. Even though, you know, we totally do mourn not being able to mm-hmm. go out on a hike and all that. That that is still very sad. Yeah. I have a dream to get you back on the surfboard. <laughs> That's right. There's adaptive surfing. Yeah. We'll get you back out there. <laughs> it may not look like it did at first, but you've improved a lot. <laughs> yeah, there are things that we we miss. Yeah, but that goes back to our kind of central thesis of joy and suffering commingling. Yep. You can live with both at the very same time. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, you can be happy about the, the gifts that we do have and sad about the things that we've, we've lost. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Which that. maybe gets to what Christians should think about this. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Yeah, what, what should Christians think about this? I mean, probably just that. I mean, <laughs> at least um, I think it's this whole experience has opened my eyes more to the whole vast population throughout the world who, who are disabled, you know, seeing people in a wheelchair, or using a walker out in the wild. It's kind of like <gasps> one, one of us. One of us. <laughs> we're in the club. Like, oh, we're, we're, like we always wave to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think that's a that's a Christian attitude. Jesus urging us to remember the forgotten um, him, you know, reaching out to the people who were, you know, on a mat for 40 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. You couldn't walk. Uh, but yeah, the, the joy and suffering, it's uh, dealing with reality, yeah, whatever I, it brings. And I think um, our, oh, some of our, our other favorite couple out there that hopefully one day we'll meet <laughs> uh, suffer strong authors, Catherine and Jay Wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the many themes they talk about is invisible wheelchairs that everyone, even if you're not in a physical wheelchair, that everyone has an invisible wheelchair um, at some point in their lives, uh, um, even if it's not a physical ailment. Um, and just the importance of... Taylor and I talk a lot about um, everyone's going to face suffering. There's so much suffering yep. in the world. I mean, at, yep. grappling with what is happening in Ukraine and other war-torn countries. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I think, entering into marriage as um, Christians, knowing that suffering is going to come yep. and preparing for it. And... Um, not just, I think there's so much of an emphasis on, in, in our culture at least, mm-hmm. of, oh, you get married to be ha- have someone make you happy right. and fulfill your right. happiness. Right. Right. And, you know, I think maybe 
we had a little bit, bit of that subconsciously of like, look at us. We're like, you know, we love traveling. There's nothing wrong with traveling the world. We still love it. But <laughs> we're plan, plan uh, to do more, you know, amazing, sexy travel partners. And, um, you know, all of those things mm-hmm. were so important at the beginning of marriage. And sure, they're all still great and wonderful. There's nothing wrong with those things. No. Um, but marriage is not about like creating your best life together. <laughs> Yeah, or about constant comfort or yes. constant feelings of ease or happiness. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm grateful that we were able to go through the the dark times together, and like we didn't cling to those other aspects as right. the most important. I mean, we certainly couldn't have done it without God's help. Yep, and just like having that, you know, His context in which to put the suffering and the hard times. Yes. It wasn't the uh, the end. The joy wasn't the end all be all, and like the suffering wasn't the end all be all. Right. Either. Right. It's probably uh, if you do put like yeah, the joy or the happiness is okay. This is the crowning point, and this is the reason marriage exists. Then the suffering is going to undermine that. Right. And marriage is a picture of our relationship with Christ, and Christ weeps with us and says, "We're going to suffer with Him." Yeah. And you know, we don't enter into relationship with Christ because. We think it's going to deliver a happy life. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. He suffered too. Yeah. Unique amongst the different gods out there. Yeah. Right. So. Well, <laughs> that is our episode on interabled marriage. Yes. But now to stinkers and thinkers. Stinkers and thinkers. And if you all have questions, you know, we realize, like we said, you may not know someone with a disability. Um, if you have questions about us and what it's like and what this life is like and just want to learn more then message us on our Instagram page. So we are the Barclays is our Instagram page and or we're the Barclays. We're the Barclays. No, we are. We are. They wouldn't let you do the, whatever it's called. The posture. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we are the Barclays and (laughs) you know, message us, uh, your questions. We're happy to answer them. Yep. It's not awkward for us. That's right. At least we're open books. Yep. All right, stinkers and thinkers. Taylor, what was your stinker? My stinker was the book. Uh, let me. It had three authors. Oh. The Age of AI. Oh. By and I don't have it up, uh, but it's at least by Henry Kissinger and Eric Schmidt. Wow. Yeah, that's a stinker. And this third dude from MIT. Yeah, it was just dull. <laughs> I've read, I don't know, half a dozen AI books. Um, this book came out three months ago, but if you had, you know, blindfolded me and uh, told me to read this and guess the year I was from, I would have guessed like 2014. <laughs> it just seemed like these guys who are very successful, I'm sure just like any publisher will publish whatever that they want. Right. That they put out there. It just wasn't, it wasn't creative. Uh, it didn't get interesting until page 102, and then it got boring on page 103. <laughs> out of like 230 pages. And I guess it just goes to show, even if you're Henry Kissinger and Eric Schmidt, who was the CEO of Google, and then this other guy from you know MIT, very impressive resume. It, it was just like, they were just having, I guess they were having fun. It was apparently they had fun like thinking about Aristotle and like artificial intelligence and blah, 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 blah. But we've we've been there before, bros. <laughs> you have a high tolerance for this stuff, so it must have been really boring. Two out of five stars on my Goodreads. Oh, man, rough. Henry Kissinger. Henry Kissinger. I mean, <laughs> good for him, right? Actually, I don't even think he wrote it because it was funny in like the 
the acknowledgements. It was, and big thanks to like Henry Kissinger's assistant, like Susan something something for it. Just it's very much, very much sounded like this woman with no credit did like all his work. Oh yeah, because <laughs> he's ninety years old at that level. Yeah, he probably just yeah sat there in his Kissinger voice said some things. <laughs> anyway, stinker. All right, don't read it. Uh, my stinker, Taylor, you're gonna laugh at this. I watched like two episodes. The new. How I Met Your Father, <laughs> starring Hilary Duff, which, you know. What a, what a surprise. <laughs> we elder millennials growing up with Hilary Duff, I think maybe it was like, oh, she's like reemerging. I want to see her new thing. Yeah, it was just really bad. <laughs> it's almost like there hasn't been a sitcom, you know, where there's like a laugh track. Oh, there's like, a laugh track in the new one? That setting. It's, you know, like there's sitcoms a laugh track. used to be. Yeah. Wow. Oof. And I just. I can't really watch shows like that. Like, we don't watch shows like that. I'm trying to think of, like, when those kind of faded out. Did Friends have a laugh track? Yeah, it's like that kind of setting. So, what's it called? Um, You know, the nerd one. Um, Oh, the... (laughs) Yeah. You know, primetime TV is not a strong suit. Was that, like, the last one? (sighs) Kaylee Cuoco. You know, it had a laugh track. That was like the last laugh track. It, it has been a long time since there's been like a sitcom with a laugh track and I just can't watch them anymore. The Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory. There we go. Yeah. It's like that kind of setting. I don't know. What do you but call But people that? love that. I mean, Big Bang Theory is very successful. But that was a while ago. I, I just don't uh, feel like just, people watch that anymore. I'm, anyway, it I'm just felt Googling. so foreign. Maybe because we haven't had cable in so long. Maybe people who still watch cable watch. <laughs> laugh track sitcoms write us in and tell us if you enjoy laugh tracks. big bang theory went until 2019 oh, okay well anyway it just felt very like odd oh, stated we don't do this anymore stinker like i can't laugh at something when there's a laugh track interesting mm-hmm. bygone era taylor what's your thinker anna karenina we did it so what else <laughs> could there be For those who don't know, Taylor and I kind of started this thing where we do are doing a great book together once a year. So we've done War and Peace and Les Mis. Yes. And now Anna Karenina, which we both finished. I finished first. (laughs) (laughs) Let the record stay. Yeah, I mean, it was it was truly amazing. I mean, is this your thing or two? It actually isn't, but whoa, I would whoa, like to talk about it. Okay. Let's talk about it. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean what is there to say? <laughs> yeah. Something that stood out to me, and I guess looking, we also, we read War and Peace. So Tolstoy, for like being a man of his time, what, late 1800s, mm-hmm. that he seems to really understand and like deep dive into the psyche of women in his books. Only you can say. <laughs> and granted, you know, like I haven't taken a class on Tolstoy. I'm sure those of you who've actually studied Russian literature have a lot to say on this, but from my layman's view on this, he just um, dives deep into hmm. like the psyche of motherhood. Well, and all the characters really, which I really appreciated the, yeah, like the, the, the swirling thoughts of yeah. the female characters or the male characters and the, the details and just the way he, I mean, for years, I just would hear someone talk, say Anna Karenina and just want to snooze. Like That sounds so dull. <laughs> like 800 pages about one woman in Russia <laughs> when it's not that at all. 
yeah. what's in Russia, but it's like multiple characters and kind of like the War and Peace, you know, Tolstoy's War and Peace, I felt, which he said is not a novel. He says Anna Karenina is a novel. War and Peace was not. Right. Okay. But just like the, it felt real. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the people felt very real. Yeah, how did it just is so amazing? This came out of a man's mind. Yeah, yeah. Each character, it was like it felt like this is a real person happening to them, and yeah. you're inside of their inner thoughts, their deepest struggles. Yeah, and you picked a great translation, I must say. Thank you. Translation is key for non-English books. We've learned. <laughs> yes. Spend time researching a translation before you read any of these books not written in English. Yes, seems like Penguin does a good job. We've done oh, okay, yeah. Les Mis was Penguin. All right. Anyway, All right. um, what was your? Thinker? It was incredible. My thinker. So it's funny. We both kind of didn't really plan this. Um, we had a very Russian themed <laughs> January of reading. So Anna Karenina, obviously. So we, uh, you know, I knew that the troops are on the border. You know, back in um, the fall winter, but it didn't really hit that it would be so much of what's going on anyway i digress that i read a book called walking since daybreak by modris Eckstein's Eckstein's i might have mispronounced his last name um a latvian uh immigrant during after world war ii which um, very much mirrored my own family history of my grandmother uh, being a Lithuanian immigrant. And it was an amazing story that, or not story, but um, non- true story, true story yeah. nonfiction telling of what it was like to be a refugee. But also it weaved in kind of the history of these Baltic countries, which I would say are probably somewhat similar to Ukraine. I mean, much smaller countries, but in that they are these borderlands between East and West where Mm. they have dealt with the ping-ponging kind of between Germany and Russia for hundreds of years. And kind of keeping this national identity, they have this strong, powerful national identity, but they have gone through these intense periods of war and occupation over hundreds of years. Like what is happening in Ukraine is just kind of a mirror of what has their ancestors have dealt with. Hmm. <laughs> um, so his story, it was just so um, compelling to me because it was much like my grandmother's story and what it was like. I hadn't really considered what it was like to be in a displaced persons camp after World War II hmm. when Europe was in chaos and they desperately did not want to go home because going home meant becoming part of the Soviet Union and getting shipped off to a gulag. Wow. Um, so they did not want to be sent back to their homes. Um, so they're, in, where were you know, the displacement camps? There are a lot of in Germany uh, so and East okay. Germany. So they're in, um, but if they went back to Lithuania, Estonia, Latvia, they'd be shipped off to the gulag. Was, the Russians were controlling or the traitors, Soviets. Yeah. Right. So the Soviets would have uh, seen them as traitors for leaving the Soviet union. Fleeing. Wow. Um, and so, you know, they desperately did not want to be repatriated. The Soviets were trying to repatriate them back. There would be all this propaganda going around in these uh, camps. And then the Baltics were some of the last people that the West wanted to take as refugees. Um, you know, hmm. there were rumors that they were loud you know, with the Poles. They were rabble rousers and dirty and causing all sorts of trouble. Yeah. And 
Um, you know, the U.S. and Canada only wanted a certain number. Didn't you know? Very similar to <laughs> discussions about today's mm-hmm. refugees. Um, so it was just a really good telling, thorough telling of this history that I didn't really know a lot about. Hmm. Title: Walking Since Daybreak. Good thinker. Well, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time.